0: Hello, Cardak Radio Facebook page. This is Brian Foster. We are streaming to you on Facebook at uh, 8 o'clock Brazilian time, 7 o'clock Eastern time, 4 o'clock Pacific, all time zones in between and around the world. Welcome to our program today, Sunday, April 5th, 2020. Now, Please, before I start, when I put this uh, video on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the like button. The YouTube algorithm will uh, recommend this video to other people if you hit the like button so we can spread spiritism to more and more people throughout the world. Thank you very much for that. So let's start. We are talking about chapter 16 in the gospel according to spiritism, God and mammon, which means God and money, right? What are you going to... What are you going to choose? You're going to choose God or money. You can actually do both, but this is going to give you more of a stark contrast. We're, and we're going to talk about that in what Alan Kardec tells us in the gospel according to Spiritism. Now, before I start chapter 16, I would like to recommend everyone, if you're interested in Spiritism, you should read the Spirit's book first. Now, you can get both. I can get, you can get all five of his, his, you know, his books, his major books. On PDF, So you just look up Alan Kardec, K-A-R-D-E-C, PDF, right, for, as in PDF format, and you will find his books in PDF. You can also get on Amazon.com, or you can go, go to a, a spiritualist bookstore, and you can get them there also. And I have a link to that on my site, nwspiritualism.com. You just click on Alan Kardec's picture, and it'll take you to a bookstore where you can get his books. So... Let's talk about the choice between making money and your spiritual quotient. So let's start the obvious. Before we start into chapter 16, let's just get the obvious right out of the way. Now, when we say we're in heaven, this is a picture of No Solar. Uh, it was from the movie No Solar, uh, also called Astral City or Celestial City. You can get that. Um, you can rent on YouTube, I think, for $2.99. Please rent that movie. It's in Portuguese, but it has English uh, subtitles. It's excellent. This is on one of the first levels of heaven. As you go through there, you see the movie, and you and you see other places talk about heaven, no one in that place has any material goods with them. Correct? No. They're all gone. Now, let's go to the next place you could go. This is the umbrella. This is also from the movie No Solar. This is where and, Andre Luis first ended. He was very actually very affluent doctor in Rio, and this is where he ended up because he was an unconscious suicide. So therefore, as we all know,' I'm, I'm, I apologize for stating the obvious, we can't take it with us, right? And of course, so let's see how we balance that because look, we all know that it is not possible to or for most of us. We have a family to feed. We have, we have many important responsibilities. It's not, you know, we can't just... And Spiritism tells us they don't want us in monasteries. They don't want us to give away everything. They want us to be productive members of society. Now, let's get to chapter 16, the Gospel according to Spiritism. Now, this is in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, and this is This is really the the main message. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve both God and mammon. So what does Alan Kardec say about this? He says, and I'm quoting, If riches were meant to constitute a total obstacle to salvation for all who possess them, as might be inferred from certain words supposedly uttered by Jesus when they are interpreted in a literal fashion, instead of in their spiritual meaning. Then God, who conceded them, would have placed an instrument of ruination in the hands of certain people, against which they could not appeal. Now when he says ruination, he says, he says, God could have. Anyone who started getting rich would lose it right away. right? Something would happen. I'll carry on. But this idea is quite repugnant to all reason. However, it is beyond doubt that from the destruction it causes, the temptations it provokes, and fascination it holds, we may deduce that riches constitute a very dangerous trial, even more dangerous than that of misery. It is the greatest provoker of pride, selfishness, and sensuality. It is the strongest tie which hold men to earth, and distracts him from thoughts of heaven. On many occasions, it produces such a state of dizziness that those who go from misery to wealth completely forget their first condition, together with those who had shared this state with them, even those who had helped them, turning them into insensitive, selfish, and futile people. Nevertheless, from this fact that riches make the journey difficult, it does not follow that it becomes impossible, or that it cannot become a means of salvation for those who know how to utilize it just as certain poisons may restitute health when employed in the correct quantities and used with discernment. So let's break down what he just said. And haven't we all seen this? Is that when people have money, it's, it's everything, right? And it's happened to me, right? And I've talked about it before is how I've made money and then I've lost it, right? That was one, I think was a couple of my trials I had to go through is, and I've been told, you know, I've taken money in, a, in the past. I've been in areas of responsibility and I took advantage of those people instead of helping them. So, uh, and I was not allowed to keep any great amount of money, which now I understand perfectly. I well-deserved and it's a trial I needed to go through. And we've all seen people who've gotten a lot of money. What does that do? Well, what is our culture? Our culture, our Western culture, civilization culture says, if you have a lot of money you must be the smartest person. Or if you're famous and then you have a lot of money, you must also be one of the smartest people in the room. And so we look up, we, we listen to what they say because they have money. It makes them superior to us. And in actuality many people who have money, are wonderful people. And in fact, I used to work for a company called Beckman Instruments way back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And Arnold Beckman founded that company. And it became quite rich. But he was the one that never changed. And I'm sure other people have been through this employment probably too. They've worked for uh, a company with someone who, who started the company and just is like the nicest, most wonderful person. And they don't change. And they're actually, they're, they're, the money allows them to become even nicer and more generous with people that's what I saw from uh, Arnold Beckman the nice just a nice person he he did treadmills and um, wonderful things uh, centrifuges probably heard of it if you ever worked in a hospital so money doesn't you know make you selfish you become selfish with money now why why does that happen because there's an army of sycophants that that will, plus they'll do anything you want them to do because they want part of that money, right? So therefore you can be prideful, selfish. You can be a, you know, an SOB if you like, and people will still be around you. If you're poor and you're just a rotten character, people like go away from you. But if you're rich, they still will be with you because you, they, you have something they want. And therefore it, it, money has the possibility of reinforcing every bad character flaw you may have had. And I'm sure it's happened to all of us, right? At one time or the other. Let me carry on what um, Alan Kardec says. So, he just finished saying, you know, if you can use it, it's good. In fact, before I I go into that, Emmanuel, in in some of his books, like Riches and so forth, he talks about money has very good uses. You need to have money, you need to have capital, build bridges, build hospitals, build schools. It's important. So, no way does the spirit world wishes us to go back to the barter system. The spirit world, in, in, in very easy summary, wants us to know that money is a tool, it is a means to an end, it is not the end, it is not the be-all. And, you know, you can see some of this they talk about in some of the messages I've talked about last week, as far as talking about the pandemic where people are put back into their home and, you know, their financial security is at risk. It's, it's, an, it's a stimuli that's given to the earth at this particular point, right? To show people that how important these things are against your family, your health and your loved ones. Versus that almighty dollar or pound or real, whatever country you're from. It tries to put things in perspective for us. So let me carry on with Alan Kardec. So when Jesus said to the young man who inquired how he could obtain eternal life, that he should dispose of all his worldly goods and follow him, it did not mean that Jesus was establishing an absolute principle that everyone should get rid of everything they possess, nor that this is the only price to be paid for salvation. It was meant to show that attachment to worldly goods was an obstacle to salvation. The young man in this case had just himself to be released from further struggle because he observed certain commandments, and therefore he refused the idea of abandoning all the worldly goods he possessed. His desire to obtain eternal life did not run to the extreme of acquiring it through this sacrifice. What Jesus proposed to him was a decisive test destined to uncover the depths of his thoughts. Beyond doubt, he could be a perfectly honest man in the eyes of the world, never causing harm to anyone, never cursing his neighbors, never being vain, futile, or prideful, and always honoring his mother and father. But he still did not possess true charity because his virtues did not go as far as abnegation, This is what Jesus wished to demonstrate by applying the principle, without charity there is no salvation. In the strict acceptance of these words, the consequence would be the abolition of riches due to their being detrimental to the future happiness, and the cause of a great deal of evil on earth. For the rest, it would be the condemnation of all work as being the means of gain. This would be an absurd consequence, which would only convey mankind back to a primitive existence, which, for that very reason, would be in complete contradiction to the law of progress, which is one of God's laws. Now, there's a lot in this, and there's a lot to supplement this is. In the book On the Way to the Light, uh, Sacrograph by Shikosavir by Emmanuel. they talk about socialism and and you know, these different different political theories. And it's like, no, the spirit world doesn't wish us to, to have the government control everything. We are here to be responsible for ourselves and to learn. The government doesn't want people to doesn't want the government to give money every month to people for doing nothing, because that would that would take away from our work ethic. We are here on earth to strive to not only survive and pay for food and shelter, but even in the midst of all this work to also then ascend in our spirituality. Well, you could say, well, if everyone's given money, we can, we got plenty of time to ascend in our spirituality. But do we, do we really learn the lesson? Right. And of course, you've all seen this yourselves that if you give People too much money at too early an age, they lose they you know, they lose all aggressiveness as far as getting out there, getting the work done, and so on and so forth. Therefore, this the spirit world wants us to work and wants us to succeed and improve society and the earth. This is important. So we can carry on with what Alan Kardec says. If riches be the cause of much evil, if they aggravate so many evil passions, if they really provoke so many crimes, it is not the riches themselves that we should blame, but mankind who misuses them, as he does all of God's gift. It is through ill usage that humanity constantly turns what could be the most useful into something pernicious. This is the consequence of the inferior state of earthly life. If only wrongdoing and mischief could be produced by riches, then God would not have placed them upon earth. It is up to man to make them to produce good, even if they are not a direct element of moral progress. Then beyond a doubt, they are a powerful element in intellectual progress. And as has been pointed out by Emmanuel in several of, of his books, is that, you know, without capital... There's no there's no invention, there's no internet, there's no computers. there's no there's no cell phones, right? Because all those people needed groups of money putting together by hardworking people who then invested it in order to make something. And that's why capital capitalism is, you know it can be very cruel at times and people misuse it, but it's effective and getting capital to where it is more effective, Than having a bunch of politicians or government agents decide where to put the money. Nothing's perfect on earth. Everyone who wants to make this perfect political system is living in a fantasy. We are not on earth to live in a perfect political system. We are on earth to improve our moral character and our personality. This is why we are in this somewhat chaotic system. And it will always be imperfect as long as we here humans on Earth are, in contr- are, you know, slaves to our primitive emotions, where we are, we have our desire for luxury and riches, and we'll cheat people in order to, to get more money because it brings us what we want immediately. And so this is why Jesus said, "You can't pick. You know, you've got to say who's going to be your master." Now it doesn't mean you can't work on something, but you have to say, look, my quest for money, money is going to be a tool. I need to have money. I need to work. I need I need to invest, whatever. But I'll do it honestly. And I'll, I will do it as a second priority to my own self-improvement and my helping others. And it will all work out for you. Because as you exhibit this attitude... The spirit world looks at us like teachers in a school, right? And if they see students doing their best, even though it's like they just don't get it, or they, you know, you can say, oh, that student needs help. They don't let them say, oh, well, he's a good kid, but we'll just let him flounder around forever. No, they don't do that. They go and they help that student. The same thing with our guardian angels and the spirits around us. If they see us really trying, right? I mean, not seems so because of the trials you're going through, but this you will get help. So, let me carry on with Alan Kardec said. For this work, which has cr- required centuries to complete, it was essential to extract materials from the entrails of the earth, which made man look to science for the means of executing these tasks with more speed and safety. So, as again, as Alan Kardec is saying, we need, we need materials, we need money, we need inventions, right? I'll carry on. Nevertheless, it is the same intelligence which will later help humanity to understand all the great moral truths. Seeing that riches are the primary means of executing these tasks, which is building infrastructure, etc., there would be no more great works without them, no activity, no stimulation, nor research. It is with good reason, then, that riches should be considered as an element of progress. And again, this is important. This is what... What Alan Kardec is pointing out, this is what the spirits have told him. This is what spirits have told uh, Chico Xavier via Emmanuel and other other wonderful uh, psychographing. Is that money is necessary? What it, What is wrong with the earth is our attitude and and in, in the priority in which we put it in. Now Alan Kardec then talks about the inequality of riches. Now, before I go on that one, there's a there's a great book, Hell Christ, and I think Vanessa's been going over that book um, recently in in her uh, her Facebook live streams. And there's a there's a there's a a spot in that I don't know how many paragraphs it is, and they talk about there will always be managers and workers. So we're talking about the inequality of riches, and what what this person said in the, the book, hell, hell, Christ, there's always these wonderful nuggets of information in the books by, um, um, Emmanuel. Uh, and no, it's, uh, there's a book, Hell, Christ, and it's, it's a set about it's, uh, it's on Amazon and you can get it. Uh, H I L H A I L hell, like hell Christ. Um, it's set about 200 years after Jesus. Uh, was here, so it's like about, I could be wrong, 200 or 300 uh, AD. So excellent book. So they talk about what well, he's telling us. There'll always be managers and workers, and what he's saying. It's also you also can read this in other books too. But the fact is, what the spirit world is saying is that everyone comes to Earth in different levels of of maturity maturity as spirits right not maturity as we are as humans some of us like me are always immature right or you're young and immature or you're some are young and mature right it's all on you know yourself but this comes out as our maturity as our moral maturity as a spirit and so as you are you get more and more uh higher in the ranking of spirits you acquire more wisdom you acquire you acquire the, the ability to to keep to your morality when you're here on earth, not easy. Even some, you know, people always fail, even when they come here. But those are the people that are for the most part, not always, there's all, there's plenty of exceptions to that, but when they want something, you know, done that they want to move us forward, they will put these people on earth and they will be the managers and they will, you know, be the CEOs and they will help move us. Whereas the, lesser mature spirits who are not really ready just because they where they are in their their you know in their learning as spirits throughout many, many lives, they will be the workers. It was I have been that too right now. In you know, this life I've been like a middle manager, right? Not not top, not bottom, in the middle. So that's why there, there will always be Right now on this planet of atonement, maybe not on a planet of regeneration, even that there'll probably be, there's always be different spirits at different mature levels, right? And it doesn't mean that someday that that spirit that works for you, right? Isn't really, will, you know, be your superior in this, in the spirit world someday because they'll just zoom up. But that's the way it is. And that's why there is inequality. So let's see what Alan Kardec says. The inequality of riches is one of the problems which humanity. Okay, so we have a question here I want to go through. So what if a person who is a millionaire has more money than he can spend in his lifetime and does not do good with his money? How are guardian angels help guide that individual? Well, again, I've seen this many, many times in different spiritist literature and the answer is they are trying to tell him they're trying to tell him or her i should say that you have this money and here are positive ways to do this and here here are um options to help but that person has free will and that free will that free will says no no i'm going to keep it for my own reasons because i can make more money this way his his own reasoning overrides his conscience and the the inspirations coming from his mentor spirits. And you read this, Tommy, and not just with money. I mean, there was a great part in the book uh, <clears throat> "Memories of a Suicide," where his father in the spirit world and the other angels say, "No, no, don't, 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 don't go to the big city. Don't, don't." Don't, you know, join the Jesuits, you know, so you can torture people that don't believe as you do. Stay here in this small area, you know, marry a, a decent woman and this will help you spiritually. And, and he just like, and he had dreams and tell him, oh, I should do that. But he just ignored them all because he wanted revenge on this one person. I'm sure the same thing happens to people with a lot of money, right? And again, that's why I say so many times, one of the first step that you want to do to really start that that spiritual ascendancy is to listen to this conscience. If you make a decision and you feel and you feel even though the decision is that it's not financially beneficial to you, but you still feel like the weight's off your shoulders, that's usually the right one. If you feel you made a decision and you and you really had to work hard rationalizing why it was okay, and we've all been there, I've done that, okay? and uh, you still feel a little bit stressful over that decision it means you're not listening to your conscience and that happens all the time this is why we go through so many lives because we're all stubborn and we all want what we want and therefore it's really if you really want what you want and you just don't listen to this conscience you can become you know you can make money any way you want you steal it whatever but you know it's not good for you in the long run so Uh, Let me carry on with Alan Kardec. Why are we not all equally rich? For the simple reason that we are not equally intelligent, active, and industrious enough to acquire it, nor sober and careful enough to keep it. Besides, it is a mathematically demonstrable fact that riches, if equally divided, would give a minimum and insufficient portion, portion to each one. So... Well, let me go back to that sentence. We are not equally intelligent, active, and industry enough to acquire it, nor sober and careful enough to keep it. So true. In fact, there's been studies, fabulously rich families, not all of them, some of them like DuPonts and other ones really have got this down pat, right? But the average amount of, you know, the average time a family is rich is they lose it all by the third generation. The second generation knows the parents, right? The third generation's grandparents are kind of far removed. It's like, well, they always had money. And they ended up losing it by people who are dishonest and smarter than they are. And you know, this is why they weren't they weren't selected to keep it there. They were there for a, their own little blueprint, you know, program life. And again, as I as I just said, as Emmanuel said in the book Hell Christ. We are not equally intelligent, active, and in industrious enough, right? And, and, you know, in the U.S. Constitution, all men are created equal. Well, they're equal under the law. All spirits are actually created physically equal, and they have the ability to acquire any attribute as well as anyone else. So if you really want to talk about equality, it's in the spirit world. What's different is the amount of experience, right, and what you've done with that experience. That is where the inequality is, and that inequality is just a function of gathering more experience and working at it. So, now, then he says, so that, supposing this division were actually made in a short time, this equilibrium would be undone by the diversity of character and aptitudes, that supposing it to be possible and lasting, if each one, had sufficient to live upon, then the result would be the annihilation of all great works which contribute toward progress and the well-being of humanity. And finally, if it were conceded that each person was given the indispensable, then there would be no longer any go to impel men and women to make discoveries or to found useful enterprises. Therefore, if God has concentrated riches in certain areas, it is in order that that from there it can be expanded in sufficient quantities according to needs. Having accepted this fact, we then ask why God has conceded riches to people who are incapable of making them bear fruit for the good of all. That gets back to the question, just ask. Here we have yet another proof of the wisdom and greatness of God. By giving man free will, he wishes that the position of being able to distinguish right from wrong be reached through individual experience, and that the practice of good be solely the result of effort and choice. Man should not be fatally conducted towards either good or evil, as then we would be nothing more than passive and irresponsible instruments as are animals. Wealth is a means of being able to test one's morality, but as it is also a powerful means of action towards progress. I'll give you another example. This was in one of the books, I forgot what year it was, but there's a great series of books that are uh, you can find this on Amazon, and it's the it's the monthly edition of, I forgot the name of it, the, is the Cardex magazine he had, through I think through 1860 to 1866. I don't remember the right, which one it was. There was like three or four or five of these books out there. And in one of them, and it's really interesting. And one of them had a mediums meeting, and they wanted they, they these people in this one house said there's someone there's someone is, is is you know haunting this house. So they they hold a mediums meeting, and they find out that it was the person who owned the house, and he actually he owned several houses. And what he did is he rented out rooms in each of the houses. And he loved money so much, he lived under the stairs in one of the houses. And what his favorite thing to do was count the money. And so they talked to him and they knew that he was just, he just was tied to the earth. You know, he just loved this wealth. So then a higher spirit came in and they go, okay, what's going on with this guy? He goes, well, this person was is a primitive spirit and he said his next life he wanted to be born rich and we knew that he wouldn't be able to handle it just like many people still can't handle it but we let him we let him be born rich as a means of teaching him a lesson so here is a person a primitive spirit born rich and all then what happened he lost all sense of purpose all sense of morality all sense of context in the world he lived in and could only think of one thing was money and, uh, and the higher spirit said look don't worry about him he'll be here but eventually he'll understand that this isn't as important as he thinks it is and this was st- this lesson will stay with him forever so this is how it works it, isn't this smart i mean If you really, it's why it's so interesting. You start studying spiritism and you think, oh, that's brilliant, right? Especially, I mean, to me, I still can't get over the fact is that God gives us free will. And God makes us perfect by each of us going through this chaotic classroom experience. And yet at the end, you've got this legions of spirits, all perfect, but all perfect in a different manner. You know how almost impossible that is for us to do? If you had a company and you wanted the best employees, what you should do is let them fail over and over again. And eventually they would all become good, right? Of course, we would not do that, right? We make rules and procedures and said, oh, if you don't do that, you're going to be fired. And if you fail, we're going to fire you, right? All the time. You know, we we threaten people to be better, not always, but that's the way it is. I've seen it. I've been in companies. But God says, oh, you've got almost a large part of eternity to screw up as much as you want. And, you know, we're going to keep giving you little trials to exercise your character and your morality and your aptitude. And eventually, you're going to be a really good person and you're going to help us a lot. And we got all the time. That's what happens. It's just, and you've got all, you've, you've got these, you know, this is how Jesus became such, you know, the governor of our planet. And and people say, and in spirits say in, in the book uh, by Vao and I talk about in my book, Heaven and Below, it says, you don't know how lucky we have as Jesus. Everyone recognizes Jesus is one of the best, right? I mean, there are spirits above Jesus and equal to jesus in the world in control of of planets etc but you know this is of course those that could be prejudiced right but he says we are very lucky to have jesus as our father right and as our protector as as our ceo as our governor whatever you want you know we are truly blessed we should thank god and love god for giving us jesus because he understands that we are all so imperfect. And we all screw up all the time. But as we screw up, just like you look at your kids, right? Slowly, slowly, they get better. And hopefully, given the right support, they become really productive members of society. Like us. Us, it may take thousands and thousands of years. So, let me carry back to Alan Kardec. So, wealth is a means of being able to test one's morality. But as it is also a powerful means of action towards progress, God does not wish it to remain unproductive over long periods of time. He unceasingly displaces it. Each one possesses it sooner or later, so that they may drill themselves in utilizing it and demonstrate what uses they have learned to put it to. Okay, oh, there's another... Okay, so here's a question. So he says, and I'm going to say... Each one possesses it sooner or later. And there's a question. Can we decide to be reborn in a rich family, etc.? Do we have that choice? So let's talk about what choices we have. Now, that primitive spirit got his choice, did he not, even though he wasn't ready for it. it? The answer is, it all depends. Now, if you look at the book's by Alan Kardec, right? And G. Val Owen, right? And I talk about this in my book, Three, um, How We Are Guided by Spirits, in my book, uh, Reincarnation, The Path to Perfection. If you are a primitive spirit, let's say you're incarnate, right? You're an errant spirit. And you're in the umbrella or below. Your, your input It's like a first grader saying, I want to study algebra. No, no, no. It's not going to happen, right? They're going to make the blueprint for you that they think is going to work best for you. You're not going to really have much input to it. Now, as you become higher and higher with more responsibility, like in No Solar, right? And they even talk about this. You can start directing with consultation With your spirit mentors, right? What kind of life you should have in order to get the right stimuli to help you, help your moral growth. What's interesting is that you can talk about this. Like, there's this great book. Um, It's in Spanish that my, my wife read. She told me this story from it. There's this husband and wife, and they both, had, you know, discarnated. And she goes, okay. She goes, we need to start planning out, and I'm not summarizing very well, but I'm trying to get the gist of it. Let's plan out our next life. And she goes, now I'm going, I don't think we should be together because you need to work on your spirituality. And this happens to a lot of couples, right? People ask, why well, can't I cannot find my soulmate. Well, there's answers in many different stories. This is one of them where she kind of supplemented his lack of spirituality too much and he, he he leaned on her kind of show it to the world whereas he didn't really internalize it she goes so I'm going to be born as uh, a poor person in Washington DC and this was they were originally discriminated from Brazil and she goes now you she goes and they they were like they were spiritual in in their in Brazilian life and he was also a successful entrepreneur. He goes, Now we have two sons. Now, one son is going to carry on with the business and make even grow it, make more money. The other son, not going to be that successful in finances, but he will really grow spiritually and be more and more part of the spirit center. And she goes, Well, you know, which one would you like? And he says, Well, I want to be with the rich son, <laughs> which you know, I just cracked up and I heard that because that's exactly what I'd say. I, I want to go the rich one. She goes, well, I'm not so sure if that's what you should do. So to make a long story short, he finally decided, no, I need to go back and be, you know, live a more modest life. So you hear this all the time. So, yes. And, you know, you never know. You could say, oh, I want to be rich. And then. You just screw it up completely. To me, this is like this is my biggest fear, right? Because I've been told I failed before. Is like, okay, if I put in a position of power or where I can get money, will will I, you know, you know, will I abuse it again? That that worries me. I tell you, that's one of the things that worries me. It's like, no, nah, I just rather be born, you know, middle class or whatever, and you know, stay that way. But which I am now. So anyway, that is kind of so there's there's no one answer to all this. So you do have you do have a say in what your life is going to be, but it depends on your level. And then even as Alan Kardec just said, everyone possesses it sooner or later. Because not only do we go through, and remember this, in different trials and tribulations to atone for our past wrongs, but we're also given Different, uh, you know, different environments and atmospheres and training, right? Okay, good because shouldn't each one of us, if we're going to become this spirit where thought is action and you have immense amount of power, you need to look at every, you need to be in every different circumstance. So you need to be rich and you need to prove that you can handle it with grace and certainty. I haven't. Hopefully someday I will you need to prove that you need to also sometimes prove maybe you're going to be in the army so you know what war is like you may you may need to work in a mine so you know what they go through you're, there's all certain circumstances you're going to be given not as trials that you have to have but trials just like you you as a school kid is taken on a bus to go to the aquarium or the museum or whatever just to expand your horizons and learning so, you will, you know, you will have that. So, Alan Cardet goes on, Nevertheless, it, it is materially impossible for all to possess it at the same time, as it happens, that if everyone had riches, then no one would work, which would result in the improvement of the planet being compromised. Each one, then, has a turn in possessing it. In this manner, those who do not have it today have already had it or will have it at some future time. Likewise, those who have it now perhaps will not have it tomorrow. There are rich and poor because God, being just, prescribes work to each one in turn. For those who suffer it, poverty is a test of patience and resignation. For others, riches are a test in charity and abnegation. It is with good reason that the very bad uses to which some people put their riches are to be deplored, as are the ignoble passions provoked by their greed. This makes us ask ourselves if God is just to give riches to such creatures. It is certain that if man had but one life, nothing could justify such a division of worldly goods. However, if we keep in sight not only the present life, but also the assemblages of existences, we would see that everything is justly balanced. From this point of view, the poor person lacks a motive with which to accuse providence, just as he has no motive to be envious of the rich, who, in their turn, also lack a motive to glorify themselves for what they possess. On the other hand, if the application of these riches is abused, it will not be by means of decree of sumptuary laws that the wrongdoing will be remedied. The law can temporarily change the exterior, but it cannot succeed in changing the heart. Hence, these laws would be a fleeting duration and would then be followed by more unrestrained reactions. The origin of evil lies in pride and selfishness. Therefore, all manner of abuses will cease when humanity is governed by the law of charity. So, as usual, Alan Kardec lays the case out extremely well. There are inequality, because there's inequality of spirits. There's inequality because you can't give it the same lesson to everybody at the same time. There's inequality because we need to to amass amass a certain amount of capital in order to make the world progress. We need to to have the allure of wealth. To give, you know, uh, a push to people to invent, to progress the human race. It's all there. And that's why capitalism works. It's something that is a natural, you know, a natural force. They're using our own quest for reward to move us forward. So. We carry on with Alan Kardec. The only true property that man can own is that which may be taken with him on leaving this world. Now we talked about that right in the first, right? What is found on arrival on earth and that which is left behind on parting is enjoyed only while living here. Therefore, as humanity is forced to abandon all worldly possessions, it can be inferred that it has no real ownership of riches, only their temporary usage. What then constitutes true property? Nothing which is for the use of the body, but everything which is for the use of the soul, such as intelligence, knowledge, and moral qualities. This is what man brings and takes with him, which no one can take away, and which will be far more use in the next world than in the present one. It is up to him to be richer on departure than he was on arrival in this world seeing that his future position will depend solely on what qualities have been gained in the present life. So there you have it, right? He states it out there in as wonderful plain language as Alan Kardec can only do. All you have with you is your character and what you've learned. And so many of us, what do we do every time? We park ourselves in life after life. We do the same type of things right request for money etc and I've done that too hopefully every time you park yourself in life after life this is what this is what it now think about this for a second and I've had people recently ask me well why some trials are just so painful right why are they so you know kind of harmful to people it, it's, it's like torture well think about the spirit world trying to teach us something and think about you think about the fact that life after life you say oh let's kind of gently put this person so they don't take advantage of others oh okay let's not so gently but let's kind of tell this person not to take advantage of others and they're still saying no i i'll just knock anybody on the head to get what i want well they're gonna have if 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 what it takes is more pain to get them to open their eyes and wake up of what they've done wrong in the past. That is what's going to happen. Right? If you have a kid that comes up and kicks everybody in the knee, you're going to, you're going to say, no, no, don't do that. Please. You're going to, you're going to reason with that, that child that keeps doing it. Then you're going to put them in the corner and boy, they'll, you know, they'll scream, think you're the worst. That pain is immense. They're in the corner. They still do it. Then you might like give them a little pat on the hand and that they are not going to scream again. But maybe they'll listen then because it took some sort of just, a, you know, a little, you know, are you just going to hold them by the hand, and put them to the corner and instead of just telling them to go to the corner. You hate to see that, but that's what you have to do, right? To someone who won't listen to reason. This is why sometimes we and others around us have extremely complex and difficult trials, because we didn't listen the first, second, or third time, probably. So think about that. So, at the end is, Alan Kardec says, when someone travels to a distant country, they take as part of their luggage only those things which will be useful to them in that place. They do not worry about those things which will be of no use. Proceed in a like manner in relation to your future life, and provide yourselves with all the, that can be of use to you there. And that's what you know it is. We are given the use of our mind, right, and we can improve our morality. And our job here is to remove the primitive emotions and replace them with the more advanced emotions. Right? You take out hate and anger, you put in love and fraternity and charity and honesty so that's what we are the end of our program tonight I want to thank everybody again please remember to um, hit you know share this share this to other Facebook groups if you watch me on YouTube please you know give us a like and subscribe and share it among you know different groups uh, you can go through a lot of what I've talked about here today as far as how the spirit world really works, in my series of three books, Heaven and Below, which I talk about heaven, the areas of heaven, the umbrella, the underneath the umbrella. And I also talk about what the spirits who've talked to Val Owen, how Jesus Christ operates as our president, CEO in the spirit world. And, and what's very interesting about the works by Val Owen is I've not seen the same type of information coming from any of the books by Chico. There's a lot of overlap, absolutely, but there's a lot more information about the higher levels of heaven and the organization of the spirit world from from the messages that he received from spirits in the early 1900s. And that is what I think is so exciting to many people because the more you learn about the spirit world, the more... You'll be interested in it. It's exciting information course, book two is spirits in the spirit universe. What are the attributes of spirits? How do spirits plug into this, this universal matrix of knowledge, right? Are we really logical constructs? And the answer is, I think is yes. And they, they give some pretty advanced concepts. So it's very interesting, uh, information for people to ponder and people to really think about is, uh, what, you know, what are we? Who are we? And the more you can look at that, the better off you will be in your, li- in your life. Um, This is my book, How Do You Want to Ascend? You know, it, it, how to live inner peace through Spiritism. Let me bring up this other book that I had here that somehow I missed. There we go. And this is the third book. This is How We Are Guided by Spirit. And this is, this book is, you know, how not only us, but nations, and then what is the future of the world, and how will we get to the future of the world. So, just more information for you. But I I would say, everyone, please, if you're interested in Spiritism, start with the Spirit's book. I have um, Spiritism 101, the Third Revelation. If you go to my Facebook site, uh, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around You, and you go to the file section, I have that free in PDF, Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. You can get it for 99 cents on Kindle. So it's also in paperback, and I'm getting out an audiobook. So it's, it, it's just a good summary introduction. It's a very short book, I think like 70 pages or something like that. So, it, it, you know, I, I write my books to, to give people different perspective and to gather information from all the books I could find that are in English about Spiritism. So I'm hoping that helps you. What I say is not important. It's how you want to explore your own spirituality. So I want to say God bless everyone tonight and God bless.